And now, your Cover B News with your hosts, Chris and T. Everybody, welcome back to Cover B. We have such a cool episode for you today. We had the opportunity to sit down with Pat Shand, comic book writer and co-creator of Destiny New York, a book we recently spoke about on the podcast. And I don't know if you remember, but I kind of raved about it. He is an absolute delight to speak with. I'm so excited to share this episode with you guys. So let's get to it. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, I am Chris, here with T. Uh, we are very excited tonight. Uh, we are getting a chance to sit down with Pat Shand, uh, the author of Destiny New York. Uh, for those who don't know, we talked about the first issue of Destiny New York a while back when it came out. The second issue also just recently came out, so you need to get out and check that out. Uh, Pat, could you give our readers kind of just a rundown of what Destiny New York is all about, if they were interested in picking it up? Yeah, uh, Destiny New York is about a woman named Logan. Uh, she had a prophecy made about her when she was young. She completes her destiny when she's just 13. And now when we pick up with her, she's in her uh, late 20s trying to find uh, purpose in her life in a world that tells her that she's already done the greatest thing she'll ever do. Excellent. And it's it's a crazy good read. It's easily one of my favorites that I've been picking up. Uh, Same. Not to not Thank to you. fluff the ego too much. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's very, it. very good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very good. You all should go check it out. So I wanted to start off just by asking kind of a more general question. Uh, originally, when you started dipping into writing for comics, what what drew you to comics as a medium for your storytelling? Uh, what drew me to comics? I guess uh, you know I've always been someone who wanted to write in every you know every form of fiction that I could. Like mm-hmm. uh, I remember um, there was. Uh, I was in college and I had just gotten into playwriting because I had started, my foundation was prose. I, I grew up wanting to, um, uh, you know, when Arl Stein died, I wanted to take over Goosebumps, you know? Okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and uh, I, I was writing movie scripts, all that stuff back then. Um, and I wanted to just write every form possible. I was looking at things like, can I write a haunted house experience? Like someone walks into a haunted house and the script of what happens is me, you know? Um, (laughs) So yeah, I was just very hungry as a writer, you know? Um, And uh, what led me more to comics was, you know, one, it being writing at all. Mm. That that in general, you know, drew me in. But also uh, shows that I loved were were finding new life in comics. Like, um... Uh, Buffy, Angel, Supernatural, there was talk of a Veronica Mars comic, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I was so into these shows that it led me on a path of, uh, you know, exploring comics through them, and uh, that's what started me as reading comics, and, you know, once I started reading, I, I would see, uh, like, for example, on, on the Buffy title, I saw Brian K. Vaughn wrote this arc, and I was like, mm-hmm. wow, this guy killed it. Let me see what he's doing elsewhere. And then I saw that he was writing Runaways for Marvel. Mm-hmm. That was my, my door into the uh, more modern Marvel universe, you know? Um, and yeah, yeah, it was just uh, a mixture of just me wanting to, you know, greedily write in every form. And then two, kind of being blown away by, you know, uh, by what could be done in a medium that I, up until that point, hadn't really, uh, you know, delved into delved into that much mm-hmm. nice yeah and you you know you mentioned that you've 
you started in uh, in uh, playwriting, and your your bibliography definitely reads. I was I was hanging out on your Tumblr the other day, and I was looking at your bibliography. It definitely reads with a man who has done a lot of different formats. You've done short fiction, screenwriting, playwriting. Um, you've been all over the place, so just putting in the work. What would you say makes comics? What advantage, I guess, would you say comics have over all these different formats of narrative storytelling? Comics, it's, uh, there's, from my perspective as the writer, there's such a final uh, advantage at the very end of the process where, Mm -hmm. you know, I do kind of compare it to theater in like, when I would write a play, I would have the chance to, you know, to meet with the actors, to workshop it. And then when we would first put it on, it wouldn't even be really a full production. It would be a staged reading. So I I, I could see in front of an audience uh, what lines work. And Mm -hmm. in that time, you know, it takes so long that you you get distance from the material and you're able to approach it with a new eye. Comics is much the same way in that, um, for example, I'll write a script. I'm writing Destiny in the Year of Volume 5 right now. And um, as the artist draws it, there's going to be a huge distance between when I see the artwork and can kind of compare what the page will look like versus Mm -hmm. what I wrote. And when I see that, I'll be able to tweak my dialogue. And then... When uh, Jim Campbell, who is letterer, uh, when he adds the letters, I'll be able to see it almost as if I'm a reader rather than the writer because it's also been a long time since I wrote it. Uh, so I'll be able to then have that final step and that final bit of tweaking when really in, in prose, you know, when you write prose, especially on a deadline, you're really on your own. You know, you, mm-hmm. you don't get someone else to like kind of come in, do work for a while, and then you, re- you revisit it. It's it's sort of like um, with prose, you need such a long break for that to be effective because it's it's like a song that gets stuck in your head. You go through the words, and you're like, you find yourself kind of like just kind of like zoning out and reading along because you just wrote that. Yeah, so, so it's already you know, ingrained. Yeah. yeah. So there, there's much less like prose. I'm very much on my own. <laughs> Comics, I feel, I feel that if it didn't do what I wanted it to. By the time that I'm reading the letters, I can still make it do that. Whereas okay. prose, yeah. I'm more, you know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Absolutely. Um, so Destiny New York was originally a graphic novel that you kickstarted, and I saw that it was actually your first Kickstarter. How did oh, yeah. that make the experience for writing Destiny New York different for you than maybe other comics that you've written? Oh yeah, so so different, and you know, it's it was intentionally different because I was actually uh, at the point that I started to do destiny in New York, I was a staff writer still at Zenithill and you know, that company is very much um, it, at that point, they, they've changed how they publish now, but they're very much, you know, a 22 page issue gets put into a five to six issue trade. <laughs> and if I, if I need to go to like page 23, I would have to have a meeting with, with uh, my editor and just really push for it. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to justify why the issue is a certain length and really mm-hmm. just, you know, I, I would have to fit into a certain mold. And mm-hmm. that's, right. true, uh, that's true of most freelance gigs, you know. Um, but then with Destiny New York, I was like, well, since this is just going to be, you know, straight to graphic novel, I'm going to have chapters so you can have that natural break. But I'm not going to make myself stick to 20-page chapters. I'll do it like, um, you know, 
I could have a five-page chapter. I could have a 36-page chapter. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, that's kind of causing problems for us now, though, you know, because uh, um, <laughs> what you guys will see as issue four, um, I had to have the conversation with, with, with Black Mask where, like, you know, this is a big one because mm -hmm. it, there's a marketing uh, benefit to having issue number one be a big one. But to, to have issue four be double size makes really no sense, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but but that's that's what I stuck to doing, and um, you know, my thought was that I want the narrative to be the narrative. Mm. I um, I would always, you know, note when, like, say for example, um, when a a, a prestige show on HBO, I I note when that goes past the hour, I'm like, oh, they let them do that because they're that show. You know, yep. I, I wanted to let myself do that, you know, or mm -hmm. let myself run under so I could just deliver the story that felt the, mo the, the, the most natural. Because I wanted to just totally break free of any idea of what what, what an issue should be. And yeah. now that, that that in turn is actually giving me issues, but it, it's okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it'll work out. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um so the world you've built for Destiny New York is incredibly rich. Um, even only being into issue two, you can absolutely tell how intentional everything is. And, you know, from plot details to the world at large to how magic intersects with everyday life. It, it's all very intended. Um, where did where did the story in the world come from? Where did Destiny New York come from? Uh, you know, so much of it comes from... Um it's such a mixture of things. Much of it comes from life, you know, uh, me finding something about life, my life, something that I've observed that I want to, you know, turn into narrative. Mm -hmm. um, and like the, the idea that, you know, we're told to be a certain way, we're observed to be a certain thing, how Logan is thought to be, you know, like that, that her prophecy is this great thing, when to her, you know, that was the thing that she did as a kid. And, uh, when she tells the story in issue two, it's not a, it's not a very emotional story for her. It's mm. you know it's sort of like she feels like something very vague happened to her, you know, and that it's yeah. very much in her past. And I kind of felt that way about you know about myself <laughs> as a writer in some ways that I was being looked at and perceived as a certain way. And I think that that can, that can be kind of universal too, like the um. Uh, the way that we sold the book, um, I think in, in earlier Kickstarters, you know, we went through a, a few phases. Like, we were really pushing the idea that, like, uh, Logan was, like, a retired magical girl. When mm. really, you know, like, the, the, the magic that she does is very limited, but it was such an easy way to to evoke the idea of did something big, now not, you know? Mm. Right. Um, but also, we sold it on the idea that that this is like the idea of a magical child star that you mm -hmm. did something big as a child and you're still defined by that, but you aren't that anymore, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, there's roots in that. And then, um, you know, I just spent time with the characters and the more I, I wrote, the more it took shape. And I was very much able to do um, what I spoke about before. And that since it was a graphic novel, there are pages actually in um, what you saw as issue one that I had written after volume one, the whole trade was complete. I realized that I needed a bit more of a transition during certain scenes. So I, I put things there that weren't there to begin with. So, gotcha. Um, 
So yeah, it, it's been a very fluid process. Um, so it's all that inspiration, but also the making of the thing helped shape the thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, that totally makes sense. Um, the writing and the art in this book meld beautifully. I love the stylistic from... It just feels like it meshes very, very well. Um, I think I described it in um, in our past episode when we were talking about issue number one as kind of like a, a Western manga. It gave me very much that vibe. Um, what is it like working with Manuel Pretano? I, I, I gotta say, I love that you said that too because I do, um, you know, I, I feel that there's a lot that Western readers get out of manga because American comics aren't really delivering that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and so I, I thought that was super cool. Um, and what is it like working with Manuel? Um, I mean, yeah, it's fun. He's a he's a very cool guy. He's a very quirky guy. I remember um, <laughs> we were doing our Kickstarter video, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that he's maybe a bit camera shy, so he did a video for the Kickstarter where he had like a paper bag over his face and, and a face drawn on it. And, and I was just like, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, he, he's, um, he's a very kind guy. He is very, um, as far as his, you know, his ethic as a collaborator, he's very, you know, he, he's very open to, you know, going in different directions. He's very open to change. He, he will, you know, he, he, he has strong takes on things that we'll debate and figure out the best way. Um, but, you know, he, 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 he very much found uh, the early voice of Destiny in New York in that, you know, there were certain things that he contributed, um, like uh, the dots, the birthmarks on Logan's face. Mm. Um how how her uh, pupil and her birthmarks form this ellipsis, and okay. that ended up to be the central metaphor, you know, for yeah. for, for her life. Um, and you know, we do things like um, there are certain things plot wise in Volume One that were you know planned as we went in, um, mm-hmm. but what we do though is keep loose character wise. Like for example, um. Uh, in issue number one, there's the scene where uh, the uh, the gang comes into the bar, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, they confront Lilith. And you see this one gangster uh, in sunglasses. And I saw her, and I was like, f- for some reason, I felt drawn to like find that character's voice. Then mm-hmm. In the beginning of issue number two, I, I needed a scene... Um, that kind of contextualizes a bit of the gangster's role. Mm. And I had that be the character who was like, kind of like our joking way in where she asked uh, Arvid for direct deposit, you know? Um, and uh, she ends up being a central character just because I saw how he drew her, thought it was a cool design and, and brought her in. And that's very much how we approach the book in that I really want to play it loose about who we follow and when we follow them. Mm-hmm. Um You'll see in issue uh, three, you know, we've spent these scenes at, at the Green Bean and um, where we have the character Augustine, who is Logan's friend there, and he gives her advice. But I, I never want someone who is a character who is like the friend, you know. Yeah. So in yeah. issue three, we follow him home and we give context to, to the marriage that he's been complaining about in, in every issue. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, I so love we'll, that. Yeah. So we'll see that, you know, and we'll... Um, the more we spend time with certain characters, the more they'll be an ongoing part of what we see. You know, because yeah. we got to start with the leads, you know. It, it's very much Logan's book. But as we go on, it's going to become more of a regular thing to have it 
full extended scenes with characters like Augustine, mm-hmm. with um, Joe Rollins, and so on. Yeah, you mentioned that a bit in your afterward in issue two about finding these characters and having time to kind of flush them out. Who would you say has the most exciting, I guess, rise from side character to more flushed out sort of individual throughout the narrative? I'd say, um, oh, you know, (laughs) it's two, because there's two that just are, it's so weird how it happened, but... You know the the example that I, that I was talking about the gangster girl. Um, mm. Her name is Trinity, and uh, Trinity comes up to be a, a major <laughs> character, and she even gets her own spinoff called Gangster Ass Barista. Okay, um, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so 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 she leads that title, and it's just so funny to look back and realize that, that she, you know, she was just like a bit role that for some reason it was detailed enough that I was mm. like, oh wow, that that character has a story to tell, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, Manuel drew her, and what was so funny to me was that um, she has the same tattoo twice on, on both arms, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it was, it must have been done as something that, that was just like, you know, he wanted her to like vaguely have tattoos, because she's like a, a background character. Mm-hmm. But, but then I started to get into like, well, what would be the funniest reason why someone would get the same tattoo twice? And, and my thought about her was she has to do, do a scene someday where someone asks her and she didn't like how the first one came out, so she just got, got another <laughs> one. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, her and um, who was a challenge for me was uh, the character Joe Rollins, who, mm-hmm. you know, in, in in what you've read so far, he is, like, blatantly a Harry Potter parody. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and his role very much is to you know one put a pin on what we're doing and two you know he would epitomize what the book is not like it's mm. not about characters like Harry Potter, um, so then the challenge became okay so you've introduced this guy who who is you know he's a joke character but we don't do that in this book so how how do you take that joke and turn that into a person that still continues that that bit but also is a fully fleshed out character so mm-hmm. he he has yeah he has quite the journey as well this um my thought at first was for his his story to play out off off page and to have him his story just tangentially affect the main story but then you know I, i've been writing it for so long now you know we have mm-hmm. um about, about like thirty issues drawn, drawn, ready to go. So yeah, we just spend time with everybody. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to see a lot of these characters flush out. Joe is one of my favorites, so I'm excited. To see him. <laughs> I just I saw the Harry Potter thing, and I was like, I know there's going to be more to this. Character, so <laughs> I'm really pumped to see where that goes. Taking a bit of a step back, you know, we mentioned that this book was kickstarted and it came out in volumes. Uh, where did the decision come from to release it as a monthly book through Black Mask? Well, I, I was approached by a few publishers, um, mm-hmm. and you know, I was always interested. But the idea was, I wanted someone to convince me what, why not something new? Because my thought is always like, you know, Destiny New York exists. I do that book. I publish that book. Why don't we just do a new thing? Mm-hmm. And and Black Mask and I did new things, and they were, you know, going well. And then uh, they gave me reason to do this. You know, they showed that, and I also learned over time that 
uh, the Kickstarter audience is not the same as the audience that's in shops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not the same as the audience who, who's on Comixology. They're all different audiences that, you know, there's some overlap, but it's very little overlap. Uh, people yeah. are on Kickstarter. It's always so interesting to me because, like, you know, when you have a Kickstarter running, the you have to push it. You have to market it. Mm-hmm. But so much more of my traffic comes from people exploring Kickstarter than going through my Twitter or so, or Facebook. Mm-hmm. It's just people people are on there and they're there to support. They're there to be part of something. Mm-hmm. Um, and that isn't really the case for comic shop buyers where, you know, that, that thing already exists when, when you walk in. So you have, you know, on Kickstarter, you're, you're like, what book do I want to take part in? and to help bring into life. Mm-hmm. In the comic shop, it's like, these books already exist. W- which book do I want to bring home? And there's one element of which book do I want to support? Because right. many comic shop uh, buyers will know that their support mm-hmm. will mean the success or death of an ongoing indie book, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, there is that. Uh, but yeah, I just was shown that the audiences are so different that not only would I be finding a new audience, I'd be maybe bringing new people to Kickstarter, which is something that's very, very interesting to me because of how much, because of how important Kickstarter is still to what I do. Mm. Right. No, that's awesome. And it, you know, it is true that when people walk into a comic book store, it's what book is going to resonate with me. And I think, Mm. you know, there's something about, you know, Destiny New York having a different kind of background, being a little bit thicker in issues, having, you know, black and white interiors, having that kind of manga feel. There's something there that sometimes a comic book reader will walk in and be looking for something, and that will absolutely trigger with them. I think that's mm-hmm. really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, thank you so much. That's, um, the black and white is important to me, too. And that's one of the things, um, one of the first publishers that I was talking to, their idea was to, to do it in color. Mm-hmm. And, and I was just like, nah, you know, nah. <laughs> nah. I mean, it's, I don't, I don't think it needs to be. It's just, um, yeah. th- there's something very uh, beautiful and delicate about, um, about the grayscale. And, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, very, very much what was done on volume one of destiny New York with the grayscale has, has had a huge impact on, on what I do on Kickstarter period. I've done not only that book, but spinoffs of that book and, and non non Destiny titles where it's, you know, we, we do that style. And mm-hmm. I feel it's a very complete style. I, oh, I don't yeah. look at those books and go, man, I wish it was in color. And I, for those who read the book, I never see that comment either. I just mm-hmm. really think that there's something beautiful and, and, and interesting and different about that style. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. And I think it's, it's kind of a cool dichotomy because when you think of like a magic book or something magic based, you think of the like really brightly colored. Yeah. yeah, The like flashier comic books, like, like a Dr. Strange or something that's always super colored, very pigmented. It's a lot. And I think this being so crisp and clean, the the grayscale gives it this kind of like room for imagination that you don't necessarily Mm. get in other books. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so all of the characters, but especially Logan, feel very, very real to me. I know people just like 
all of these characters. There's there's an interaction with Logan and her ex in issue two, and I was like, ooh, I ha- I have been in the room for that conversation <laughs> before. That feels very real to me. Um, where did you get your inspiration for Logan? Oh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's me in all the characters. There's mm-hmm. probably more me in Logan. You know, um, there's a lot of how how I would like to be in Lilith, you know? Right. Um, like, uh, Lilith, you know, does, you know, I mean, you've already seen, even in her first appearance, you know, she, she, she does kind of like gangster shit. You know, yeah, yeah. She, 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 she lies, you know, she's yeah. just really, she's very, um, she is able to do those kind of things. And, you know, she's very cool, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. She is sort of like um, uh, uh, James Dean by way of Tony Soprano in some ways, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, where Lo- Logan is much more, you know, she is someone who is very much in her head until she has to make an important decision, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, yeah, there's something that I, you know, I created Logan to find someone to relate to, to find someone to you know, put a lot of my questions about life and death into. There's um, there's this upcoming scene uh, where I think it's Logan's 30th birthday that she's celebrating and she um, blows out the candles and she has a flash to, like, a grave, you know? Mm. And, and that's very, very much <laughs> what I think, you know? Okay, um, yeah. And yeah, no, that's... uh, th- There's a lot of me and Logan and there is... You know, I, I think that's so much of what writers do... And, you know, I say writers, but I should probably speak for myself. A, a lot of what I do is that I will, you know, um, mine questions that I have about life and and death and just our existence through characters. And, um, yeah, so there's part of me in all of them. But, you know, like you said, Logan, you know? But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, so... This was kind of a weird question, but um, I'm a big nerd, and something that stood out to me immediately is that Logan's new love interest, who is also prophetized to be the most ancient evil on the plane, is named Lilith, which is obviously a very cheeky religious and myth-based connection. (laughs) Um, Are we going to be seeing more nods to other myths or religious figures or um, things like that in the upcoming story at all? Yeah, you know, um, yeah, yeah. Um, perhaps not how it's expected. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of playing with with certain things, though. And um, the more we get to know other characters, we'll bring religion in with uh, the character Cherry, um, who I think that in what you guys have read so far, uh, she's had maybe two speaking lines. Uh, she is one of Joe Rowland's friends, the, mm-hmm. the one who believes nothing that he says. Um, okay. Yep. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she um she has very or- very orthodox parents, and um, mm. you know, there's a very interesting dichotomy between someone who was raised, um, in the church ver- versus you know someone who goes to school. Spe- 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 specifically, what she does is uh, she specializes in necromancy. So we'll see a bit more oh. of that dichotomy. Um, <laughs> But but also, I mean, we'll, we're going to see in issue four, 
a real life character uh, that's in our actual world. Uh, okay. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because um, I, I'm so interested to see how, how that plays out because it was written, you know, it was written in 20, I think, 15, you know, so the the, the world changes very quickly. And right. it's something that I wanted to um, symbolize how magic affects the world while also, you know, being something that is a lasting image. And I'm very yeah. interested to, to see how, how that plays out because I want it to feel like our world. I don't want it to seem like this hidden magical world. Yeah. I, want, I want it to seem like, you know, if magic was real and somewhat mundane, everything that we would do wouldn't be magic. Like with, with books like, Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter, those worlds aren't headed toward, you know, Wi-Fi because they have, like, intense magic. Yeah. Right. In this world, like, there's, like, some, like, dimensional play. There's a bit of seeing the future. There's, like, uh, charms that that, that Logan would use instead of going to, to uh, therapy. You know, there's <laughs> real, like, grounded magic. So I was very interested to see how that would change our world as we know it. Mm. Got it. No, that's very cool. I, I look forward to it. I love all the little references. I'm like, ooh, that's a good way to use that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's going to do it for us. Just to close it out, uh, maybe just let the listeners know what sort of projects or whether it be more coming from uh, Destiny New York or new things coming up, uh, what sort of things from Pat Shan can we be excited for in the future? All right. So um, let's just go through a couple of things. Um Destiny New York is going to remain ongoing. Um, the first arc will wrap with, um, you know, at the end of every arc, we do our finale. And then the next issue is a, a, a collection of short stories that are character based. So, oh, cool. Uh, yeah. So that'll be number five. And that'll have a short story about uh, Lilith, about Joe, Gia, and Logan. And then um, every arc will wrap with one of those. Um, so we have the actual climax and finale in issue four, then the uh, epilogue in five. We'll mm -hmm. take one month off to, and then do a trade and then come back with issue six and keep going on. Cool. Um, awesome. And for those who want the trades, they're already done. You know, we have uh, volumes one through four already ready to order. Uh, they're on cool. Kickstarter. Um, I'm, I'm pretty much not always, but next to always running a Kickstarter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Right now, I have one called uh, Smoke Weed, See the Future. Um, Sweet. That, that, <laughs> that's a spinoff of Destiny in New York, too. Oh, um, cool. It is about a character who uh, the, the the readers who do, do the single issues haven't met yet. Her name is Taylor. She is, like Anthony, a seer. Mm. And uh, she develops a strain of weed that allows normal people who aren't seers to briefly see the future. Oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty fun, you know. It's um, th there's art by Yishan Lee and Jen Saint Ange, and, and it's just beautiful. Cool. Um, and uh, through those campaigns and through my upcoming Etsy store, you can just get all the back volumes of, of this thing in New York, and just you know get the trades, but keep doing the single issues because of those you know beautiful covers. Mm. Yeah. Um, and on the freelance side of things, I'm actually uh, writing a graphic novel series based on a young real life pop star. Um, <laughs> I, can't, I can't say who it is, but yeah, fair. it's Ooh. absolutely hilarious that I'm doing that, you know? Um, <laughs> and uh, I have a big hardcover book coming out called uh, Disney Villains. Um, that is called 
it's the Disney villain's portrait of evil. And it is um, uh, from the perspective of a new Disney villain as they look at through the history of Disney villains of the past and see where they mm-hmm. went wrong, what they did right, as he makes his master plan. So it's sort of like this big compendium. Oh, that's, that's really awesome. That is really yeah, cool. Nice. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this was awesome. This was really, really cool. Yeah, um, everybody get out and read Destiny New York. Keep an eye out on all the projects that Pat has coming up. Uh, we are very excited about it here, uh, and we think you should as well. And Pat, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Absolutely.